that beat crashes in, you know it's time to begin. And wherever you are, whenever you are, and however you happen to be listening, we're so glad you've chosen to tune in to DLC. Especially if you're one of our geeks in sneaks, using this podcast to power you through a workout or a run. We're going to be with you in your ear holes for 90 plus minutes of gaming goodness because DLC is your downloadable commentary for the week delivered the way we love it to be. And that is completely free. Thanks to our sponsors this week, Third Love, Liquid IV, and Squarespace. Squarespace! They're bringing the show to you, DLC, of course, the show all about games and their many forms. Games played on desktops, laptops, and consoles. Also games that involve dice, luck, and cardboard. I'm your host, Jeff Kanata, that's spelled with two N's and one T, and I am joined, as always, by my friend, slash co-host, slash nemesis, the guy who's got the video all figured out, Mr. Christian Spicer. Hello, Christian. Hello, Jeff. Hello, everybody. Sorry if you're here live. It was an issue. But what is running on time is my Kickstarter for my comic book consequences is chugging along. And maybe as you're listening to this on RSS on Monday, I will have the update put up with the stretch goals and international shipping. Folks have asked for that. So that update will be up Monday afternoon uh, Pacific time. And thank you to everybody who's backed it. And if you haven't yet, you can find a handy link at my website, christianspicer.com. And let's get this comic out. I'm, I'm super stoked. Oh, and I released the cover. I showed the cover on my Twitter, and it's also an update on the Kickstarter. I love it so very much. Whew, sorry the show's running a little behind. But no no one listening on RSS knows that, Jeff. You know, I know. I know. I know that, though. I know and that, I, too. I, I, I'm impressed by your ability to segue seamlessly into plugging your Kickstarter. How's it going? How's the, how's the Kickstarter going? It's going well. I mean, it's funded. Uh, yeah. We're, I think, a little over 12K. People seem to be digging it. Um, the, dude. Yeah. It, and I'm the cover got a great reaction, which I kind of, you know, knew slash hoped it would. Corey's work is incredible. And Lana's artwork is incredible. I'm already trying to get I, I'm in the process of getting the original charcoal framed so I can have it here in my office with me. Um, I love it. And I'm super proud of the book. And I can't wait for folks to to read it and experience it. Well, I'm excited for you. It is uh, well-deserved. I know you put a lot of work into it, but we got we got video games to talk about. So let's get to the show. And you know that we have an awesome guest for you. Joining us, DLC always stands for your downloadable Kanata and your downloadable Christian. But this week, I am so excited because DLC stands for developer living in Cincinnati. Because we have the founder of Guiley Games, the creators of Raw Raw Boom, Mr. Chris Bergman joining us once again. What's up, Chris? My beautiful gentleman. It is so good to see you guys. Can we talk real quick about how handsome you both are right now? You know what? We can always talk about it. We'll always make time for that topic. <laughs> it's so good to catch up, man. I mean, you guys are both uh, two friends of mine that I love to see at at you know GDC or BlizzCon or E3 or you know, wherever else, and we haven't been able to connect. So it's yeah. it's just nice to see your beautiful faces, man. Well, it's nice to see you too. And we're, we're on video now, as Christian has, has organized the video. It's nice to be able to actually see each other. But, you know, we've known each other a long time. You've been involved in lots of really cool startups and uh, adventures of all kinds. But this, now, finally, you are doing what you have described to me as a dream project, a, yeah. a, a, a real something you really have a lot of passion for making a video game. 
Absolutely. And you, you know, it's interesting, man. I was, I was thinking about it coming onto the show and, and, uh, one of my favorite podcasts in the past was this podcast called Weekend Confirmed. I don't know if you guys are familiar with it. I may and then, have heard of it. Uh, there was a twice. there was a, like another podcast that I was super into a long time ago called Totally Rad Show. I don't know hmm. if that was. And there's a recent one that just finished that I loved that it just had this great arc called Dungeon Run. I don't know if you had ever heard of well, that I'm, one. My, the rumors are that that show might be coming back. Who knows? I, we'll just, I mean, you know, watch this space, I guess. I can't wait. Um, but the point is, is we're all getting old, mostly. <laughs> is that the point? Yeah. Oh, I thought the point was going to be a little more positive than that. But I appreciate that being the point. Um, you know, it, I, I mean, I'm a guy. I'm a guy. So now I finally am able to make um, video games that very, very much matter to me that talk a lot about collaboration and identity and mental health and, and things that are super interesting. And I've had the the fortunate benefit of, of doing a couple of different companies, but they really started Back in the early 2000s, when I was spending a lot of time watching uh, G4 and Revision 3 and um, Dignation uh, mm. was, was you know, a huge inspiration to me early on. And the whole, the whole point that I'm getting at here about us being old <laughs> is, um, you know, I don't think I've ever said this to you, Jeff, but like you, you guys, the stuff that you make is the reason that you know, my, my company Guyly games today exists. Like even going back to like, I think about chore monster, which was my last, my last company, which had 4 million people, um, completing over, I don't know, 500 million chores. Like that got started in, um, the very first users of chore monster, which was this app was the frog pants community. Yeah. Scott, Scott Johnson. Johnson's crew. Yeah. Right. And so, like, I, I think there's something magical about the things that you guys create. And I, I hope you're aware of, of the influence that you have and, and how that sort of reverberates across the world, right? And wow. in, in the way that, you know, I'm here, I am 100% here today uh, because I loved Revision 3 and Dig and, and those kind of things. So, hey, hi. Well, that's really cool to hear. I mean, I, I it's great company to be in, and I am uh, I'm fortunate to have been around such awesome folks for, as you say, a lot a lot of years now. Uh, but yeah, it's cool, and it is neat to think that there is a bit of a legacy there. The, the, these, you know, it's been enough years that uh, these things are kind of the history of web video and and podcasting, and to add the fact that. I've been a little part of all that for that long and, and Christian as well. It's, it's, uh, it's an honor and it's, it's really cool to hear that those things matter to people and you're making awesome stuff and in some small way because of, uh, those influences. That's really awesome. Thank you. Yay. Yay. All right. Enough blowing smoke. Let's, uh, let's, let's get into the get show. We gotta get to bed. It's where it's too late for all of us. We gotta, we gotta <laughs> get up old. at four in the morning for dinner. Yeah. Uh, the, the other way to look at all that is, is man, people made awesome stuff because uh, you made awesome stuff. And it's like, yeah, I'm still making the same things, though. Oh, that's <laughs> not true, man. No, I, uh, I love it. And I'm honored. And let's start the show the way we always do with Story of the Week. Story of the Week. It's the Story of the Week. Story of the Week. It's the Story of the Week. Story of the Week is the part of the show where we... <laughs> I lost my brain. 
Story of the Week is the part of the show where we make our case for the most important stories that happen in the world of games this week. You can always submit stories for our consideration by sending us an email to dlcfeedback at gmail.com or by visiting our subreddit, which is 5x5dlc.reddit.com or by heading over to our Discord, which is also 5x5dlc on the old Discord. Fantastic folks. Great community. You should be a part of it. But Chris, you are our guest. You get first pick of stories. What would you consider to be your story of the week? Oh, man. <laughs> there was like life-changing announcement that happened this week. Life-changing announcement. Ooh. So I want to talk about uh, a little group of mutants called the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Oh, yes. So let me, let me, let me set the story here. Okay, I'm in storyteller mode. It's it. late on the East Coast, so we're just going <laughs> to rant, right? So the year... <laughs> there it is. The year is 1998. I thought you, I thought you were doing Led Zeppelin there for a second, Christian. Sorry. I was like, we can't do this copyright. <laughs> yeah, yeah, then we're going to get shut down. No, I'm going right, to do Metallica's cleared on Twitch, only Metallica. <laughs> Here's 1998. Go, Chris, go. The year is 1998. I'm a sophomore in high school. Sophomore? Junior? One of those in, in Cincinnati, Ohio. And I skipped school regularly to go to Northgate Mall and play Marvel vs. Capcom 2. Yeah. Because I thought for sure I was going to be a competitive Marvel vs. Capcom 2 player going to Evo. What, else, news, what other path of life would there be? Right? That's it. <laughs> Big news. I wasn't. I was real bad at it. <laughs> <laughs> so what ended up happening is I'd, you know, put my quarter down, have my moment in the sun getting my ass kicked or my butt kicked, sorry, on, um, uh, you know, some competitive player that would that would just completely destroy me. And then I had a couple hours to spend before I could even get it back in line, right? And what I did during that time was I would go to games like X-Men or Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Turtles in Time, mm -hmm. and sit down and make that quarter work. <laughs> and I would play a beat-em-up for as long as I could humanly stand it. And Turtles in Time was one of my most favorite games of all time. I made so many friends by playing collaboratively with them. What, what was fascinating... Bebop, Rocksteady... All of uh, April Splinter, <laughs> you name them. I made them as friends. <laughs> but I did like, like what was interesting is I think back about on that time. And, and I think we'll get into why this is so important to me. I'm currently making a beat em up about Ninja Chillers from outer space. So it makes a lot of sense why I care so much, but like I, you know, Marvel's Capcom was such a competitive game. You were the second you stepped up to the arcade machine, you were, you were looking at an enemy next to you right like there was no room for making friends and so it was only after the fact when i would go to other arcade cabs that i would find sort of a collaborative moment and and mm -hmm. uh ninja turtles would be a big one for me and so to see it come back and to see that dot emu is the guys that i i hope i'm saying that correctly but that the, they are the guys that are publishing the yeah. remake of ninja turtles arcade game I, I i think is huge man i mean streets of rage 4 was a phenomenal game. I mean, beautiful and uh, really evoked sort of the nostalgia of what a beat em up was, right? And kind of brought it into a new era. And um, so they're publishing Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Shredder's Revenge, 
uh, side-scrolling brawler for up to four players. I'm curious to see if that four players is completely networked or similar, like Streets of Rage 4 was, um, I think, four couch co-op or two network yeah right um and i can talk in detail about the challenges there so (laughs) um you know and the gang's all back to disrupt disrupt another one of shredder's plans going against the foot clan and bebop and rock steady um across new york city's boroughs and dimension x um and obviously we don't have a release date or anything like that i mean I, i think it's super neat just to see this trailer to see that you can wish list it on steam and um, everybody can get excited about another Ninja Turtles beat em up. Yeah, it, you know that the trailer was was pretty cool. It, it had that eighties Saturday morning cartoon aesthetic to it. It was it was it had a really cool vibe. It, it got me excited, and I thought, oh, there's no way we're going to see any gameplay. Well, I wonder if this is actually going to look like those old games or the old game. And lo and behold, right there at the end, they show you a little bit of that gameplay, and it looks like it's going to maintain that pixel look to it you know it's not they're not doing what they did with streets of rage where they kind of you know made it look more modern and and rounded all those edges and everything it looks like it's still going to have a bit of that pixelization which is kind of neat it really does look like a throwback to that old game and uh anybody that grew up in that time i think has a fondness for teenage mutant ninja turtles turtle in time It, it is it is as you so vividly described that arcade experience you're standing you're playing with friends you're playing with strangers everybody for the same goal i'm wondering chris what was your go-to turtle <laughs> donatello 100 me too i was all about Hands that down. staff who's the nerd i want the nerd yeah i was yeah. all about that staff man i love the range that you could get with the staff so i was all about donatello but i, I i'm i'm hoping that they do keep them as donatello michelangelo rafa instead of like raf and donnie you know, as the, oh, the, the new the new cartoons has, yeah. you know, the sort of modern take. Uh, Christian, I know these games are very close to your heart as well as a retro fan, as a side-scrolling beat-em-up fan, as a Turtles fan. Uh, I'm sure this is m- uh, music to your ears as well, this news. Yeah, uh, there's been a little bit more information that's kind of come out, I think, through, through like a Twitter interview or video, and it's kind of like piecemealed or whatever, but... Um, tribute games you know kind of talking about this release and it does seem like it's early um this is maybe like alpha footage of what was shown in the trailer but it's hitting all those right notes apparently from the get-go it was we want to do that 80s late 80s early 90s style turtles so my gut is that it will be donatello michelangelo and stuff like that like i mean it was the theme song re you know like they they hit yeah, this all game is notes. made for us right it's made for our generation not for the kids that are just discovering the turtles now it does seem like a it is a nostalgia project not a let's get new fans into the turtles project well that's right? been every beat-em-up thus far right yeah. like every single beat-em-up that's come out has been a, a sort of a, a retro nostalgia push and i'm so excited to see some new ip around beat-em-ups yeah if only someone would make one of those. I <laughs> really wish they would. Someone in this conversation will, and we'll, we'll get to that. Well, I want to talk. I want to talk about that. But Christian, are you? Do you want to see this game have this that arcade sensibility? Where you know, Chris talked a big game about sticking around a long time on a quarter, and I I don't doubt it. But also, those games were designed to eat your quarters, right? They were designed to be at a certain point, impossible 
not to take a hit here and there. You know, the, the games were were functionally designed to propel quarters into the machine. And, you know, I think that a lot of these retro projects, Streets of Rage is a good example, have embraced other kinds of, uh, you know, um, motivation to keep you going. Unlock new characters, unlock other stuff. The, the kind of modern sensibility you get with play-at-home video games where it doesn't matter if you, you know, can infinite continues, doesn't matter. So are you hoping that it has those modern sensibilities or do you want to see like a straight up as if it were an arcade game take no i think it and and they apparently didn't answer those questions which leads me to believe that modern sensibilities are in it i think it needs it because there's a reason why as much as i love turtles in time and i have my um manhattan genesis cart like right off off camera um but there's a reason why those games work great as arcade games and they're less fun at home um and it's because with infinite time and no penalty for failing other than like more time that you can't finish them. Whereas at the arcade, it was, you know, your parents gave you two bucks or you saved up a couple of bucks and that's what you had to get through the game. And some of the games, particularly Sega's Spider-Man, your health literally went down as time went. Like you couldn't finish that game on a quarter. So you, I think you need to see updates from game that. microtransactions, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> you need to see updates to that arcade formula to successfully bring it home. But we've seen some of those already. You know, Castle Crashers, I think, was an early example yes, of that. A great example, I think, yes. Scott Pilgrim, uh, who is some of the team that's now at Tribute Games that's working on this TMNT game. Um, Streets of Rage 4 with the collectibles. So I think we're starting to see that and people realize more and more that just a straight arcade release of, you know, X-Men Arcade is fantastic and fun for a few hours on the weekend isn't a game that you're going to keep going back to over the course of the year where something like Streets of Rage 4 was as you were unlocking those different characters, the retro skins, even if it's just score challenges and stuff like that. So I I hope that uh, this new Turtles game has that and that, this genre you know embraces what it is at home the same way fighting games have it's not just a you versus eight other fighters and then you see ryu walking you know down a dusty road they've embraced what it means to be a a fighting game at home and and evolved with that mortal Kombat being one of my favorite examples of that give me that uh unlockable april o'neill you know what i'm saying i want to play as april yeah like smashing people with the camera like that big 80s yeah, you know? oh, be good. in the jumpsuit. Yeah, do it. Be good. Um, very exciting. Very exciting. And and as Chris mentioned, uh, no no release date. We don't know exactly if this is even a 2021 game. Uh, one hopes that it is, but we'll see. Um, but it's called Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles: Shredder's Revenge. Uh, I think we're all pretty excited about it. Uh, Chris, any last thoughts about uh, what you're hoping to see from this from this game when it releases? I think if you look very carefully at the trailer, you will notice that each turtle has a different run cycle. And cool. for a video game developer to see that makes me very excited. Yeah. Well, let's uh, let's talk about that. Because you are making Rara Boom, which is uh, very much the same genre as these old uh, beat-em-ups, side-scrolling beat-em-ups. And... I don't know much about the game, frankly, uh, but I am assuming it has certain modern sensibilities. Um, can you talk a little bit about I would love your idea? To, Jeff? Yeah. <laughs> talk a little bit about like what, you know, how much of the old school versus how much the new, new school you, 
you know, what's that balancing act like? And, and with this genre, are you doing market research or what people want? Are you kind of just following your heart? Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I mean, I, that, it's a, an extremely complicated question to answer, right? Like, so to kind of back up, Ra Ra Boom is the game that we're making at Guyly Games. Um, we've been working on it for a little bit now. It's 2D. It's hand animated. It is a four player co-op beat em up meets run and gun bullet hell. Um, uh, about chillers from outer space. And so all four main playable characters are female. Um, it is very narrative driven. It has a, a, a pretty, um, Depthy is the word that I want to use, but I know that's not a real word. I'm trying to think of, <laughs> like, but, but in-depth story, um, uh, about these characters. Um, it's a game that deals with grief. It's a game that deals with identity and, uh, relationships and, and, um, those sort of things. Uh, it, and it, it just became sort of playable for the very first time. The, one of the only people that's ever played it is Christian. So, oh, wow. uh, you know, I don't, I don't know what his opinion is of it thus far, but, but it, it's a game that's meant a lot to me for many, many different reasons. The first being that, you know, we've built a, a, an incredible team around it and the team has given an immense amount of input into the game. Um, and it's become this thing that is truly about, you know, who are we as people in the way that we relate to other humans and, wow. and what does that mean? And what does leadership look like? And, you By know, way of cheerleaders from outer space, a hundred percent. Right. <laughs> and then, um, so a couple of things that I, that we're doing a, a, a bit differently and, and like, I'm going to sit on a CEO soapbox until someone kicks me off. So forgive me if I go on a rant and knock me off and shut me up when it's too much. But like, um, one of the things that I've seen in a lot of retro beat em ups is they're extremely slow. They're, they're slow paced. They're methodical. They are the, um, uh, you know, sort of demon souls of, of <laughs> early arcade games. And, <laughs> right. They and, literally have to have a finger on the screen saying, go, yeah, go, yeah, yeah, go. yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> So, um, the first thing that we wanted to do is speed up that, that process and, and make sort of a, a fast and frenetic game, which I think Castle Crashers has done a really god, good job of in the past, but that was, you know, 10, 15 years ago at this point, actually. Yeah. Uh, cause it was Xbox 360. Like it was an right. Xbox Live game, right? Like, and so, um, that's the first thing that we wanted to solve. And then the other thing that I think is really important for us to solve in particular is this idea of like, you know, what does a beat em up, what is a beat em up? Like, like what, when, when we talk about a beat em up genre and we talk about sort of like the, the loop of gameplay for a player character, what does that look like? And it's mostly punching and kicking and that's kind of it, right? Well, what if we sort of extrapolate that and add significant ranged weapons? And what does it look like when Contra is introduced, mm-hmm. right? And you have different sort of ammo types and, and you can approach any enemy you know, in five or six different ways. And you can take your character that you've sort of attached yourself to and, and have really enjoyed playing with a different play style. Each character has a very different play style. Um, and then you add like, okay, well, do I want to go more ranged or, or more co- close combat, right? And then what does it look like? One of our big themes in the game is around collaboration and friendship and wholesomeness, and um, which awesome. is desperately needed in the world today, I think. Yeah. And, um, you know, what's it look like when you team up 
as cheerleaders to take out, take out all the bad guys. And so um, I think those are some of the questions that we're trying to answer with, with Ra Ra Boom specifically. And we're interesting, interestingly enough um, just now starting, I mean, this game's super early. Christian played pre alpha. We're like literally having our first conversation conversations with publishers next week. So, and Christian, um, your uh, final review. Can you give it to us yeah. now? What's the score that you're giving this? I would give it two rah-rahs and a boom. Uh, <laughs> it's so nice. broken. Uh, <laughs> no, that's awesome, man. I, 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 I love how a lot of uh, what you're seeing in the indie space is, is re-embracing genres from 30 years ago with a completely fresh take on them. You know, people who are, who have this nostalgia, who have these wonderful memories and are influenced by all of these great games. I mean, as excited as I am for uh, Shredder's Revenge, which I am, it looks like it's going to be uh, an homage, a, uh, a, a, a re, a, a, a recapturing of what was great instead of sort of trying to take what was great and think about it in fresh ways. And I think that's, what the indie indie scene does a lot. I'm I'm reminded of a game like uh, Way of the Passive Fist. I don't know if you are familiar with that game, but that was like, what if side scrolling beat him up, but instead of fighting things, all you did was defend yourself constantly. You know, just and it's these kind of clever takes. And it sounds like Rara Boom is another example of that. And I it makes me really excited. I think you know people who grew up with these things and now are making their own games can take those influences and feed them through a really interesting funnel into something else. Yeah. Christian, Christian, what'd you think? Can you tell me, <laughs> can we do this live? Do or? you want to do it now or in playlist? Let's uh, we'll, we'll talk about it in playlist. Okay. Just right. I, I have the story of the week, uh, lower thirds up right now. So, you know, <laughs> it took it's me too long the, to get Christian's video lower thirds. Going. All right. What is your story of the week? Christian Spicer. So I got to play this alpha of a game. <laughs> uh, I think to me, the the kind of story of the week, um, the biggest story it, until we post this to the RSS and the new story <laughs> comes out yeah. is, is this Xbox or Microsoft, I should say, Bethesda news. It became official. Uh, they announced, you know, the billion dollar purchase price um, months ago, and it needed to go through some regulatory hurdles and all of those hurdles were cleared and checked off. And they had this nice roundtable um, vodcast, really well-produced um, kind of sit-down chat, and then also handed off and showing this big, happy Xbox Bethesda family kind of representing who they are, what Bethesda is as a company, what it means to Xbox and how they kind of come together. And it was this very, like, Games are for everyone. We're so excited with what we're going to do. By the way, here's 20 Bethesda games added to Game Pass. This is just great news for all gamers. And then also Phil being like, of course the games are going to be exclusive. <laughs> what, what are we stupid? <laughs> which like, like, up is like, what are we stupid? <laughs> he's like, we got these past <laughs> agreements and these contracts, and we're going to honor all of those and all of our partners. And all of that's very important to us in Bethesda, and it's just good news for everybody. You're dang right; these games are going to cost us a billion dollars, <laughs> which is smart. But, it, but yeah. there was a nice open-endedness to it too, yeah. where it's like we want to make it exclusive to platforms where Game Pass is available, which I feel like is like we're going to 
PC, I mean, PC. potentially uh, mobile already on yeah. Android and maybe iOS and also your TV, you know, like uh, probably streaming the version of like getting it on to uh, LG TVs. And then also it's this weird olive branch to being like, hey, Switch, how you doing? You know, like right. that that entree is there and it's it's big news, man, like to have this thing be official and to see the results of it the day after this round table with all of those games on game pass already and all of these big games, Bethesda's working on, um, you know, maybe they took the air quote shortcut to come back f- to get first party studios. Cause for a while there, Xbox was really hurting, but this is really big and it's not speculative anymore. We are in it and it's big, right? So death loop ghost Tokyo had existing contracts. They're going to be on PlayStation. Uh, these were deals that were already in place before Microsoft made the acquisition. Those deals will be honored. Those games will be on PlayStation. But it's pretty safe to assume those may be the last Bethesda games on PlayStation for a while until a new seismic shift happens in the industry where I- I'm sure Microsoft would be thrilled to have Game Pass on PlayStation. You know, I'm sure though that that little... Uh, test flare was sent over into sony like man, man, what do you think i'm sure at some point there was a you know the, the, they were offered that idea but until something like that happens it makes sense it makes sense and i'm with you christian i kind of, i watched this whole thing and i loved the vibe of it i loved the the sort of feel goody you know and what else are they going to do obviously the whole point of it was to embrace it and make everybody feel excited about it but i, I just liked the tone i thought it was it was really it was neat seeing Todd Howard talk about his relationship with Xbox over the years and how they really helped, especially after they floundered with uh, Fallout 76 and all that stuff. I just thought it was it was a a really well messaged event uh, want, as events go. I want Todd Howard to do a channel on Calm. You know, I like know. he's I, the I could, best. He's the I could listen to him talk all day. He's, you understand why he makes games over many, many years. You know, it's like everybody at the studio is just like, well, I fell asleep during the meeting again. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, not asleep. It's just like this beautiful, like, you just yeah, kind of like zen. swept away by it. Yeah. You're yeah. just like, uh-huh. Yeah, I love this. Keep going. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's if you're a Game Pass subscriber, it, it this is this is some great news. And already 20 games, many of them up and a faster frame rate on uh, on Series X and S. Uh, that's kind of cool too. There's even news of maybe sharing the id tech engine with other Microsoft studios. I mean, this is Zenimax is part of Microsoft now in every sense. And a lot of people speculating, Hey, maybe some of these studios, machine games working on a halo spinoff or, you know, all these crazy scenarios, Chris, I'm wondering in your wildest imagination, do you, do you want it to sort of just be sort of Bethesda as this subsidiary of Microsoft that is kind of autonomous and does its own thing? I mean, or would you like to gone. see more of that yeah. cross-pollinization? This is, a, this is a platform buy, in my opinion, right? Like, we've hit the point where hardware parity exists between different consoles. And so I, I think from a business standpoint and a market standpoint, your best position is content. Right. Right. And so if you can drive more like like the thing is, is is looking at Bethesda's sort of portfolio today versus its potential. 
Like, what is its potential? And to me, that's where you get into sort of like the, the um, what's the, the word I want here? The, the exponential growth of Bethesda as a platform, right? And, and being able to, when, when Bethesda is no longer Bethesda and it's just Microsoft, to me, that's the best version of its content, right? Really? Because- so you think that, that sort of losing that, that distinction at all is, is a positive. You don't even want to, all these, all these uh, various developers that are under the Bethesda umbrella don't even worry about whether they're Bethesda or not. Now they're Microsoft developers and they should be put on whatever properties Microsoft deems fit. Yeah. I I think the caveat to that is that the culture sort of, um, the the culture manifests in a way that allows for broader creativity. Right. That's that's the caveat, which like Microsoft's doing an incredible job in regards to culture over the probably the last five years, I would say, where they've kind of I think they compare themselves primarily to Amazon. And, um, you know, you have Azure versus AWS and sort of those kind of things. And like where where Amazon is extremely sort of close knit, Microsoft is I've seen this personally where Microsoft has opened up in a lot of ways, in in looking for internal collaboration, right? Like when we think about the way that games are made, a lot of times we think is like, this is one team and and they're going to go make this game and the game's going to come out, et cetera, et cetera. But in reality, especially when you're, you're talking about first party kind of platforms like Microsoft, um, there's a lot of internal collaboration that has to happen to make interesting games appear. And so to me, what what's really happening is Bethesda developers get access to a broader platform and more tools and more resources and in more ways to make their dreams come true. Mm. Right. Yeah. And so I think if you, if you sort of unlock that and allow them to dream bigger, I think the benefit ultimately is to the consumer of making cooler stuff. So Christian, what do you think? Arcane, doing a shadow run game. Some people have been thinking up these crazy, you know, uh, uh, dream scenarios. Uh, Microsoft owns a lot of really cool IP and they have, you know, they have id software does great shooters. Microsoft has a pretty big shooter franchise. Uh, what do you think? You, you, are you on the same page as Chris and, and you would like to see this sort of distinction dissolve and all these IP are up for grabs or would you like to see it still feel like a Bethesda joint that just happens to be published exclusively by Microsoft? I'd love to see the IPs become available, right? Like to me, that's that's important and exciting about this. I don't think you force it on them if they don't want to do it. It's not like, oh, Machine Games, you're making Gear 6 now um, right. as the coalition is making this new IP. I think then, to Chris's point, that's when you stifle that culture and that creativity. But if you say like, here is this world, look, go look around in our vault. Maybe we've missed something, you know, like we own yeah. – We've picked up some stuff over the years. Like, who wants to make a conquer game? Do it. Go for it. Go, go, go play. (laughs) Go have fun. Look at all these IPs we own. And I think the only thing that I would differ from what Chris said is I I do think there's value in, and so far Microsoft has done it. I think they'll do it with Bethesda as well. There's value in those different brand name personalities behind studios that make games so keeping a little bit of that brand identity so when you see a bethesda logo come up you know that it's going to have a certain quality to it or not quality in terms of like 
uh, 10 out of 10, but like a feel, it's a certain type of game or a machine games, or when you see a rare logo that means something. So I think keeping those kind of voices distinct is beneficial. And I also think it's beneficial when you think like, oh, wow, there's all these different games from these publishers on Xbox, instead of thinking, Microsoft makes 80 games. It's like, oh, you got games from Bethesda, Machine Games, Rare, Coalition, uh, Turn 10. Like you, it's, right. It seems bigger than if it's just like Microsoft. And Sony does that right. as well, too, with all of their different for sure. names for their studios. And I think there's value to that. There's a difference between a Naughty Dog game, an Insomniac game, or a Sony Santa Monica. And I, I like that distinction. Do either of you see a downside to this at all? PlayStation owners? <laughs> yeah, if you, I guess if you're, you only have a PlayStation and you really want to play that next Elder Scrolls, uh, it sounds like, you know, in the 10 years from now, when the next Elder Scrolls comes out, you'll be a little, maybe a little disappointed, but... Exclusivity stinks. Like, for the yeah. consumer, exclusivity stinks. For as There's no other way around it, right? Like, I love my Apple products, uh, but being locked into that ecosystem isn't great, um, and the same, I, I wish that if you only had an Xbox, I wish you got to play Miles Morales because it's an incredible game or God of War, which is, right. you know, one of the best games recently, if but not competition breeds right. innovation and is a good thing as well. So, yes. Yep. 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 What do right. you got, well, Jeff? What's your story? Well, before I do that, I want to thank our first sponsor, which is Squarespace. Oh, my goodness. I love Squarespace. I, I recommended it this last weekend. I was just talking to my in-laws, and they were talking about uh, uh, needing a website. I talked uh, about Squarespace because it's the easiest way to make a website. If you have any reason to make a website, I always say squarespace.com slash Jeff sent me. That's the place to go. Check out the tool set. Realize how simple it is. Simple, simple, simple. If there's any reason that you need to have a website, whether it is blogging or publishing content, whether it is selling products or having a storefront, maybe you have a, a real store and you need to have a, an online version of that store, or you're just selling stuff online without a real store, whatever it is. Maybe you're just even announcing something. Hey, an easy way to announce a big event in your life, a big event in your family's life, forward the URL have the cool splash page, make it interactive. It's so simple. You don't need to hire a web designer. You don't need to learn HTML. You just go to squarespace.com slash Jeff sent me and you start checking out their tools. It's all drag and drop. What you see is what you get. You can drag in e-commerce functionality. There's never anything to upgrade or patch. It's all handled for you in the background. They have built-in search engine optimization uh, you can buy domains. I just bought a domain at Squarespace. So simple. It's such a oh, such an easy way to buy a domain. They have over 200 extensions to choose from. And it's cool. You put in the, the name you want and it gives you all the different extensions you could get and other options. It's just very slick and, and cool and easy. Easy is the key word at Squarespace. You can make it yourself. You don't have to hire somebody else. You don't have to worry about it. You start with a designer made has made templates for them. They have these incredible templates. They're beautiful, right out of the box. And then you just start messing with them. Make them yourself. Uh, they have 24-7 award-winning customer support. I've been using this for over a decade. I love it. JeffCanada.com was built on Squarespace. But you need to try it out for yourself to understand just how easy it is. Go over to squarespace.com slash Jeff sent me. You get yourself a free trial. You don't even have to put in a credit card. You just start making your website. And then when you're ready to launch, use the offer code 
Jeff sent me, J-E-F-F-S-E-N-T-M-E, all one word. You'll save yourself 10% off your first purchase of a website or a domain. It's just that easy. Squarespace.com slash Jeff sent me and the promo code Jeff sent me for 10% off. All right. My story of the week uh, is uh, more of a rumor, but based on a job listing that Naughty Dog recently put up. Uh, you talk about studios working outside the box or doing something maybe we don't expect from them. Uh, there is some indication to suggest that Naughty Dog might be working on a multiplayer-focused game, like one of those, perhaps, games-as-service games. Now, this is reading into the job listing a bit, but there is a specifically a mention in the job listing for a multiplayer designer uh, with, quote, avenues for self-expression in the game. And usually that means, like, customization, uh, cosmetic items, various things you find in games as service games. And this is um, a an, an individual, a job that would be working with the game's live ops team, quote unquote, live ops team. You don't usually have a live ops team unless the game is live and games as service games are often described that way. So there are these hints at what this new project from Naughty Dog might be. And I found this fascinating. I know, Christian, you are a huge fan of Naughty Dog. Chris, Naughty Dog, of course, known for single-player experiences, story narrative-driven experiences. And I think we can all agree uh, they are a top-tier developer in that regard. We've seen them do multiplayer. The Uncharted games have had cool multiplayer modes. But this certainly seems to suggest something a little bit differently from that i'm wondering what you make of it firstly and secondly if you'd like to see naughty dog dip their toe into something perhaps a little bit more uh more more co-op-y more long-lasting sort of a games as service type product uh so what i make of it is absolutely nothing (laughs) (laughs) moving on (laughs) Um, I mean, you can you can be living in in prototyping multiplayer games that never see the light of the day. I feel like this is more in that vein where they're trying to understand live ops systems and bringing in somebody that has that expertise, which is likely not the case today, right? Like, so this this to me reads as bringing in um, essentially, you know, knowledge that they don't currently have. That's the way that I read that outside of okay. like, okay, we've, we've got consultants, you know, you know, we, we figured out some things we need someone to help, help us figure out more and, and take this game further. I mean, if there's a game that's living today in this sort of, um, that they're hiring for, if that game already exists, I think we're years away from seeing what that looks like. Um, now all that, so, so that's my, you know, job postings are, I will say, I think I, I've seen game studios put out job postings just to see what's out there, right? Like that aren't even, you know, it's not 100% that they're going to pull the trigger on anybody. And so that, not that I'm saying that this is that, but it could be, right? Like, like it's just a fishing pole casting out into waters to seeing what fish exist. All of that said, oh my God. If not, if Naughty Dog does something 
that's you know in the multiplayer live service game space i'm 100 percent in like give me the worst most terrible free-to-play mechanics and if it's by them i will like i will be a whale 100 <laughs> percent. wow bold uh christian i know the thing you like about naughty dog as a naughty dog super fan erstwhile employee uh there in fact um is that they tell an, an engaging story and the way that they tell those engaging stories is because it is a game with a beginning, middle and end. It is a single player experience that has an arc that comes to a narrative conclusion. Uh, that's not usually the case with multiplayer focused live ops games, right? They are games that are by definition meant to sort of be on forever. Is that something that could potentially make it so that they wouldn't be delivering the kind of thing that, that you want from them? Or is it just merely the fact that they are a top tier developer that makes incredible products enough to have you excited? Yeah, I, I think more the latter. I mean, Factions on The Last of Us Part 1 was a great experience. And there were a lot of fans that were clamoring for that in uh, Part 2 as well. And they were disappointed not to see it. Uncharted 4's multiplayer, I dipped my toe back into not too long ago. I, I mean, this past, it could have been 18 months ago. And that feels like it was yesterday, oddly, <laughs> in the way these yeah, last right. 12 months have gone. Um, but they have experience with good competitive multiplayer in my opinion and i think we've seen in the space now you know i've talked about valorant or what call of duty's doing or um fortnite a game that sucked me back in as they're getting ready for their next season they're telling a heck of a story there you know it's not the typical naughty dog style story it's not very serious it's not even uncharted level serious uh with what they're doing in fortnite but there is a story there. There is a narrative. There's a reason why Mando was called in and why all these changes happened to the map. So I think, you know, there's blueprinting for storytelling in an always on live service game. And I think if someone could crack that nut wide open, I, I would think Naughty Dog could do it. I also think Naughty Dog has reinvented itself a couple of times already. And sure. they were successful pre-Uncharted. And I imagine they'll be successful post last of us or whatever they they transition into i mean i just keep going through their website where they're like looking for full-time podcast hosts like i keep i'm mm. like live service well that's <laughs> multiple episodes per week yeah that's good okay yeah um, though this is really good news for you if you can manage to do the official podcast of the uh Naughty Dog Live Live Ops game. I mean, yeah, that's I, that's a if you put the that's first longer term job. <laughs> there's a there's a C in the first sentence, and then in the second sentence, there's an H, and then if you skip a few sentences, there's an R and an I. So I think it, I'm, I can spell my name when I look at the listing. Yeah. So I'm excited. Um, there you go. But no, I mean, I I have like a for self expression. It says <laughs> you you are someone who has a self that you want expressed via an official permanent podcast what um, better avenue for self-expression than talking look i <laughs> will podcast as a background clicker on the hbo show i will be the the npr person who got turned into a clicker who's like click i heard a rumor that their next game is a podcaster fighting zombies ah, what it's a live Just service saying. game <laughs> continually dropping new episodes um no so I, I think there's a lot to potentially read into this um 
I, I mean, yes. We're, I love this idea. Uh, by the way, I think we just cracked an awesome <laughs> idea for a game. If only we knew a someone who makes games. A podcaster who who is in a live ops game and then like every week they deliver the podcast of what the main character of the game is going through. It's amazing. It's like a, it's a, it's pan media, trans media. It's brilliant. Well, I, mean, I will isn't say that essentially esports. I thought you were going to say, isn't that a, a, essentially dead rising? <laughs> dead <laughs> I was going to say, Jeff, I, I know a couple, I know a couple also- of people, uh, who worked in, some live ops and also did a podcast and that would have been a great podcast my friend that would have been those episodes were oh, not recorded me? but they would have been great <laughs> they would have been great not at all the kind of tone we were just talking about though although there is a a certain fighting against the undead <laughs> angle to it <laughs> but oh, i boy. i have I, again i'm corporate shill discount everything i say um i've loved all of their games i think except for maybe two and those are the two that came out before i knew that they were a studio so yeah i i think this will be great is a live service game as service game instinctually my favorite genre of game no have i been playing multiple hours of Fortnite this past week yeah yes i have so you know i'm a hypocrite <laughs> i mean i think i think chris's uh insight is is the thing the takeaway here is which is like don't make too much of this but also it's kind of fun to talk about and i like these little rumory stories sometimes where we can speculate and and just imagine what it would be like for naughty dog to make a a game podcast destiny 2 or something me yeah yeah (laughs) right (laughs) all right uh let's talk about the games that we have been playing in a segment we call the playlist Chris Bergman, what has been on your playlist, my friend? Oh, man. I have a great game. It is so dumb. Uh, it's a game called Hold Fast Nations at War. All right. Uh, I've not heard of this one. Competitive multiplayer first and third person shooter set during the great Napoleonic era. Charge mm. into battle with over 150 players per server. Whoa, cool. Uh, so it's, it's like a history game, which I am not a history buff at all. Um, I tend to be looking towards the future versus the past. Um, I've never watched the history channel in my life. I hear there's aliens on it primarily. (laughs) Um, but this is, this is like a, uh, just 150 player multiplayer sort of battle game, very similar to like battlefield, in a lot of ways, but set during, you know, France versus Prussia era. Right. Uh, so what that looks like is you have muskets that take 12 seconds to reload. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> it's like Battlefield if you get one shot. It's so, yeah, right. Per exactly. round. It, it, it reminds me a lot of, um, do you guys remember Mordhau? How? Mordhau? Sure, right? yeah. Like it it yeah. has those kind of vibes. Um, but the community is phenomenal. So you you log into the game. You're like, hey, it's twenty bucks, by the way, which is you know um, super approachable. I think if you want like a just a night of ridiculousness, you log in. You like imagine this, right? You log into <laughs> this game. Why are you shouting at me? You you pick, <laughs> imagine you, it. You I'm pick trying. this like Napoleon era infantryman, 
right? That has uh-huh. like a, a red coat. You got a musket. You log in and immediately you hear the drums of war. You're like, all right, we're here. It's the History Channel. Let's go. You get a couple guys. You start marching down the field. And then someone out in the distance plays an anime theme song. <laughs> Uh, the community in this game is phenomenal, right? Like everybody knows that it's ridiculous. They know that like cannons are going to take 30 seconds to load. They know that like no one's taking it too, too seriously. Um, and so because of that, it's just madness, right? Like there, there's something wonderful about getting shot in the head while your friend's next to you and he's playing the bag bagpipes as you pass away. <laughs> Right. Um, it feels like the community feels like a bunch of kids playing a game out in the middle of the woods. And I so, absolutely so are, love it. Are you not taking it seriously or is, is truly, Everyone. truly everybody's not taking it Everyone. seriously? You have, okay. Let me let me back up. You have 30 percent of people that are taking it. Because I feel like seriously. these games, I, I there's a whole genre of these like historical thousands of people on a battlefield thing. And and I rarely ever pay attention to them because i feel like they're made for people who really care about this stuff right the second you log into this game you realize (laughs) no one cares (laughs) and everyone's very kind like i'm not seeing i haven't seen a bunch of trolling which is is a big part of it like i'm sure like the the reason i even bring up this game because there's other games on the list that i'm going to let you talk about jeff um but the the reason that i bring up this game in particular is because i feel like in like a month like all of the Twitch streamers are going to lock onto it for like a week really? and it's going to, it's going to blow up. Right. And well, then, it's been out for a year, right? It came out in March last year, didn't it? It just, it just left early access oh, this year okay. or this okay. month. Right. So, um, and, uh, haven't found a ton of bugs. Like it's super stable, very fun, absolutely worth like, Hey, I'm going to drop 20 bucks in and, and, um, have some ridiculous musket fighting. And, uh, and just, just a ton of fun, man. I can't, I haven't had the opportunity to play it with other people that I know yet. So like my goal for this week is to get my group of friends that we call, we call ourselves dad squad. We play a bunch of games together. And my, my goal for this week is to get all of us to play it together to see what happens if we try to take it seriously. Cause like, I think there's a meta game around like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to be the guy that attempts to win. Right. Right. The war. And, the and, Napoleonic War. You, yeah, you yeah, yeah, yeah. single-handedly are gonna Rambo your way into winning this. What does get that it. game look like? Right? <laughs> it doesn't have Soldier Boy, that's for sure. Um uh, but, so this is called Hold Fast Nations at War. It's currently sitting at very positive on Steam as I'm looking at it. Uh Anvil Game Studios. Uh like you said, 20 bucks. Um yeah, it doesn't look like my jam, but I'm I'm love that you're loving it. Ooh, it's got horseback riding, um, and uh, when when <laughs> you when you log in, is it like like if we're playing, we're dad squatting it up, and it's like, oh, I'll check this game out. Well, Christian, you're playing the bagpipes. Like, I don't want to play the no, bagpipes. No. Like, you can yeah. pick up anything. Or? Everybody yeah. can bagpipe. I mean, Everybody so so I think there's restrictions around commanders. Mm. and officers but outside of that it's pretty easy to kind of play like if you just want to play an infantry man i haven't found any restrictions there that's what if i want to play the bagpipes that i mean you know you might have to punch someone to (laughs) 
get in there. No, I, I, I mean, I don't know. I when I logged on, li- literally, I logged on right before we started this podcast, and there was legit ten guys that were all like, "We're making a marching band. Don't come around <laughs> us unless you're a part of the marching band." Okay, we're gonna start marching in ten minutes. If you don't, if you don't have the outfit and you don't have the instrument, we need you to leave. <laughs> And I respected I you, them. I think That's you great. are selling this game better than anybody has ever sold this game. Although it seems to be doing pretty well. Uh, hold fast, nations at war. Uh, I'm intrigued. I am intrigued. The uh, the only other game that I want to talk about, just super briefly, because I'm genuinely curious if either of you guys got into it at all, is Valorant. Um, my dad has. Yeah, my my dad's squad got really bored with Warzone and have migrated over to Valorant as somebody that like. This was like a couple weeks ago. Like as somebody that saw it initially and was like, oh, it's Overwatch meets Counter-Strike. That doesn't sound interesting to me at all. And it's very cartoony. I kind of bounced real quick. Um, but now due to sort of nothing else being interesting for us to play, we we jumped into it and actually are having an immense amount of fun and realized like the to me the best sort of correlation to it is Rainbow Six Siege, which we played mm. for a long time and really loved. Really? And I've just never seen better map design straight up ever. Wow. That's, that's high praise for Valorant. I mean, I, I, the, that's your connection point to Rainbow Six because it feels like a very, very different game to Rainbow Six Siege. Uh, I mean, you have operators with, with different abilities. You have very quick sort of, you know, one, two shot kills. Um, you know, it, it, to me, to me, that's how that's how it, that's how it hooked me personally. Right. I think is I was like, oh, it's not Overwatch; it's something else. Like, there's not you're not looking at because when I see it, I'm like, I'm like, okay, there's a tank, a healer, and DPS, which is utterly not true. Um, team comp, I think, is much less important than individual operator abilities and map knowledge and sort of managing that map. I don't know, but we are having an absolute blast. I, you know, and it's, I didn't put this in, it's free, right? I didn't put it in my notes, but yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I highly recommend just picking it up, trying it out, try it out with friends. Like I do think that sort of the single player experience or like I'm, you know, by myself in a rando group isn't going to work. But uh, if you're sort of in that boat, I've noticed that there's a lot of group, like a lot of people right now, they're sort of very frustrated with where Warzone's at, um, less because of Warzone and more just time, right? And um, and is looking for something else to play. I, I, this is something I didn't expect to pick up and enjoy, and I very, very much enjoy it. I don't know. That's awesome. Christian, I know you dipped your toe into Valorant for a while, right? Yeah, I I really love the characters, the storytelling that they do, even just with the animations. Um, I love the world and the vibe um, in a soul-crushingly way. <laughs> I'm a fan of the game and the characters in the world. Um, the moment-to-moment gameplay itself is not for me. It's a little faster than what i'm looking for um i think it is best if you have a full squad than trying to jump in even with just two folks um because i'm never going to be like chris quartering up to marvel versus capcom i'm never gonna be that good at it um how we started this show we're talking about how old we all are um so if i had a full squad i think i'd have a lot of fun but it's a it's a very fast game in terms of if you make a mistake you're out but the rounds themselves or the games themselves 
I think overstay their welcome a little bit. And if you get into instances where you're down, what is it? Five zero and the other team's still going, like, I don't, I'm not going to forfeit. I'm going to keep practicing, but they're, they're longer than I would expect an entire game to be. And I, I think they still have some figuring out to do, but Valorant is on the uptick, you know, and, and the competitive scene is taking off. They're introducing a lot of new characters and its tone is, is really on point. And I love powers. So I, I like the buy-in. I like the planning. I like the powers, but it has not clicked with me because I don't have my crew big enough to go fill it out. And I do think it hurts um, from a solo play perspective where I think other games like Warzone, Fortnite, um, and even to some extent, Chris mentioned Rainbow Six. I think Rainbow Six is a, a little more welcoming to the solo player because I think your role is a little more clearly defined. And one of the beautiful things about Valorant, I think, is also the harder parts for that solo player where just because you're going to be creating obstacles for players, that doesn't mean that you're the way you play it, the character most effectively means that you're going to be leading the charge. Um, so right. I think it's a little harder for players to find their role. But it's... And the only other nit I have for Valorant, and I, I mean, I imagine this is intentional, but it's PC only and right now still. And I, I do think they could see wider adoption if they opened up the player base. I mean, Apex, you know, just that's coming. You think oh, so, you know right? I think so. But yeah. LOL isn't, you know, that they made mobile. Well, very LOL. different game. Very different game. Yeah, but we'll see. I mean, yeah, Counter-Strike I mean, isn't really on console. Right. That's a good point. I think, I think it's more the Overwatch to... I don't know, whatever, you know, here's the storm or, you know, or wow. Or, you know, it's, it's, I think it's, it's a game that's going to be on console. I just can't imagine it won't be. It will be. Yeah, I agree. Uh, All right. Before we get to your playlist, Christian, uh, I want to thank our second sponsor, which is third love. Oh man. Third love. I got to tell you is the only bra my wife is willing to wear at this point. She has multiple of them, absolutely loves them, says that's the most comfortable bra she's ever had. Uh, I actually got the brownie points on this one for introducing it to her because if I hadn't gotten the sponsorship from Third Love, uh, she would never even have known about it. So maybe there's somebody out there that's hearing about this that can share it with a loved one and get some brownie points uh, of, of their own. But if there are any women out there looking for a bra, I got to tell you, my wife thinks this is the best bra she's ever had. And why? Well, because Third Love has the perfect fit. They are designed for that perfect fit. Everything about Third Love is meant to feel comfortable. How do they do it? Well, they use the measurements of millions of women to design their bras uh, with uh, all-day comfort and support in mind. They have the perfect fit promise which means you have 60 days from when you buy it to uh, return it and they'll give you your money back. Uh, If you do not love it, you have 60 days to return it. And returns and exchanges are super free and easy. In fact, they give the bras to women in need, which is pretty amazing. Uh, But they're pretty confident that that won't happen because what you do is you start with the Fit Finder quiz. Answer a few simple questions. You find your perfect fitting bra in as little as 60 seconds. Even if you're not sure about your size, you you take that Fit Finder quiz, you find the size and style that's right for you. In fact, most women, I'm told, my wife has, has told me that the, the process of finding the right fit in a store is 
pretty ridiculous. But this Fit Finder quiz, over 15 million have taken the quiz to date and they have refined it to the point where it's super quick and you can identify your breast size and shape and find styles that fit your body to have the most comfortable experience. It's amazing. Uh, they have these comfortable bras. They're made from uh, the best materials, uh, memory foam cups, no slip straps, scratch-free bands, all of it, all every decision that they have made designed to make a comfortable fitting bra. And like I said, they give back. So far, Third Love has donated over $20 million in bras to women in need, which is pretty amazing. So don't take my word for it. Listen to my wife. Try it yourself. Like you said, like I said, you have 60 days. Uh, th- th- this guarantee, you got to take advantage of it. Third Love knows there's a perfect bra for everyone. So right now they're offering listeners of DLC 10% off your first order. Go to thirdlove.com slash DLC now to find your perfect fitting bra and get 10% off your first purchase. That's thirdlove.com slash DLC for 10% off today. T-H-I-R-D-L-O-V-E dot com slash DLC. Get you 10% off. All right, Christian Spicer, what's on your playlist? So I'm going to talk some rah-rah alpha because it's only, there's not too many times that you get to have a friend be on your show and play a very early version of the game. But I want to save that, save that, save that for just a minute because I think then it, we get into that and it goes. I will mention uh, Fortnite, I'm in, I'm in, I'm in. I, 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 I ponied up for the crew. Uh, which is their $12 a month subscription. I did it at the end of this month. So I got, um, you know, whatever level I I got back into Fortnite very late in the season, but whatever level I am, you know, I looked at those rewards and just for the Mando skin that I'll probably use a month from now because it's such a good skin. I'm like, so if I buy the crew now, I'll get this last season and all that stuff. And I'll be in for this next season, which I don't know what it is, but it's kind of become my comfort game. Yeah, I'll do a month of of the crew, which also gives you a thousand V bucks and stuff like that. And I'm pretty good about canceling subscription services. I don't necessarily recommend subscription services if you kind of forget about them. But I've had Hulu probably 15 times, and I always cancel it when I'm done. And then a new movie comes out, and I resubscribe, and it's great. Um, but what I'll say about what Fortnite has become to me, because some folks were talking to me about like the competitive stuff that's happening right now, and I appreciate that. I really do. But Fortnite for me, and as this pandemic has continued, it is it is golf. I really enjoy playing it with friends. Um, I started playing, Jeff, with our mutual friend Jordan, and just like we used to see each other all the time. Now we don't, and I want to hang out, but also just feel it's like, just talking on the phone for 40 minutes kind of is odd. Um, and so we're playing Fortnite most afternoons and it's slow enough that we can have a conversation, <laughs> you know, if you're not in the action and you can kind of, Oh, we're just kind of going for materials and whatever it is. Um, we got a few dubs already. Um, and so it, it really has replaced golf or um, cornhole or horseshoes, like that kind of interaction for me. We're like, I love playing golf. I don't have any desire to watch it professionally. And same with Fortnite. I love playing it. I'm never going to be great. And I don't care about the competitive scene at all. And I feel like the game is still catered to me in the way I mm. want to play it like that. Right. And I, I really like that. And I feel like that's missing from Valorant and some of those other games. And even Overwatch as it continued that 
casual Overwatch playing became more difficult as things became retuned. And it's like, I, I'll play Winston. He doesn't work the way I thought he worked anymore. And, and that core system of Fortnite is still there. But there's new, it's like playing action figures. And then your friend got a new base for you to play on. You're like, oh, I've never been over here before. What is this? Oh, it's an underwater submarine. You're going to love it. Underwater submarine. I love that. Um, so yeah, I'm in. I, you know, we'll see. So that's my my Fortnite update. Um, Can we talk real quick about yeah. how Fortnite has taken all of my money? <laughs> has it really? Have you gone down the rabbit hole in Fortnite? Dude, so I have two boys, nine and six. I was just going to say, is it because your kids? <laughs> all three of us, all three of us play and it, it's a hundred, you know, Christian, I think you nailed, like, like nailed it on the head as far as like, I want to, I want a game that I don't have to be competitive in that I can just enjoy. Right. Um, and I, and that's, that's the game for me and my kids. And so we all play together and then something real sneaky started to happen where cable showed up. And Deadpool showed up, and then Terminator's there, and Ridley. Like a dream. It's like a dream. And then Terminator was there. And then my mom. I guess my mom was there somehow. (laughs) I was naked. I was really scared. (laughs) But it's like they knew that dads loved all these characters, and they were super willing to shell out whatever their kids wanted. Um, it's action figures. It's modern it, day action it's figures. Hundred percent action figures. Absolutely. And it, it's to me, I you know, I I have a Disney background, and like Disney Infinity was this thing that I held very very close to my heart. Um, seeing all these different Disney characters play in a dis- different world, and to me, this is the the new evolution of that, and it's done extremely well in regards to the Look way they that. stylize yeah oh, oh the disney I, infinity venom so good art was so good it's yeah. the best venom that it's is the best venom so like good. That, look at the, the the very very uh squat top of his head that's oh, yeah. like super streamlined back yeah so good do you know what else yeah. is a good venom the Fortnite venom it's a real good venom yes. it's a yeah. real good venom i think my, my i guess my point is is like they've executed against that sort of hypothesis of like dads will buy this for their kids <laughs> on a, on a level that I just didn't expect. Like I'm, I'm my kids are, are, um, how can I say this nicely? Uh, let, let me back up. I'm a scaredy cat. My kids are also a scare, scaredy cats. And so alien or predator is not a thing that would exist in my house normally. Like, right. and they've somehow stylized it in a way that it's still 100% sort of like authentic to what it is and yet can live and be consumed by a six-year-old and not have nightmares. And oh, like, like, oh my goodness, it's amazing what they did. And it's fun to just squat up, like talking, you know, people in chat are like, yeah, oh my gosh, it's, it's action figures. Like the core game is there, but it's super silly and fun to be like, yo, we play an X-Force? Yeah, I'll play X-Force. And you put, you don't have to. The core game's still there, but the skins, as I mentioned last week, Jeff, when it was really weighing on me, the skins are executed so well that it's like, uh, you know, what are we what are we doing this week? Uh, you know, everybody's got to be something different. Okay. And you're just like this ragtag crew. So it does, because if you roll up on that people all playing trios, all dressed as X-Force, it's pretty clear you're a crew. If you're all very different, you kind of come at people from different angles. It's like, oh, we got two groups on us. Nah, dog, that's one group. We come in. It's, it's, I'm curious. I am super curious, Chris, what they do this next season. Cause this past season, I mean, mostly it was Disney IPs though. Even like 
uh, Alien and all that stuff. I was like, oh, that's all Disney, I guess. Um, but I'm very curious to see where they go from there because they had so many incredible guest characters. Do they go? Their original skins look great a lot, and they're well executed too. But they don't drive the excitement. I think the same way. Are they going to go back to like space dude? <laughs> yeah. Well, I- I, I think the most fascinating thing to watch sort of over the next couple of years is the competition for the metaverse because between them and Roblox who just IPO'd, right? Man, Roblox is like... They I, IPO'd on their IPO. It was so yeah. Wow. Yeah, they're both chasing that. They're both chasing how do we take it from a game and make people live in this the way that we all today live in the web. Right? right. That's the goal. Ready for player one yeah. style. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So that's my, that's like, yeah, that's a, I'm happy to spend the time there, but that's my, my Fortnite update. I imagine there'll be more, uh, as the weeks go on, but perhaps shorter updates as I kind of just fall into my, my comfort game. I mean, I, I now have it downloaded on my series S on my PC. And then the other day I was cooking, uh, and literally making like a homemade sauce and it was going to take 45 minutes. And I downloaded it onto my Switch, and I played on downloaded my Switch. Downloaded it onto my toaster right there in the, in the kitchen. <laughs> I would uh, Same difference, you know, <laughs> going from 120 frames per second to 28 on Switch. But I still played it. You know, I still I still got in. So. Got my smart fridge playing Fortnite. Indeed, I do. Uh, the second <laughs> thing, this will be shorter unless someone else wants to jump in. I jumped on that Monster, Hun- Monster Hunter Rise uh, demo that is out, re-released now. Yeah. Um. I'll start by saying it's gorgeous on Switch. But what they did, it's using the Resident Evil engine and the version that they were able, or re-engine, whatever it's called, the version they were able to get running on Switch is truly jaw-dropping. Like, I was playing in handheld mode, so I don't know how it upscales to the big screen, but it has, you know, you see all the stuff of your character and the different armor and stuff and the different types of enemies they have. Um, Really, really cool to see monster hunter portable again in a way that it hasn't been in a long time um and then the because you're this you're the longtime fan of the monster hunter back to the portable days right christian (laughs) that's the last time i played it was psp like in any real way yes no i am not a monster hunter fan uh i played it for charity for several for like 25 hours and i was raising money for charity and they loved watching me be bad at monster hunter (laughs) um and I think this one's really interesting, though, because this is just the demo, and so it's not the full game, obviously, and doesn't have that same progression. But it does seem sped up in a way that it's more action-oriented than the others have been before. And so I'm curious how that plays out going forward. And because there were tech problems trying to get this one up and running, I forget. There's these little bug zip bugs. Um, someone's yelling at me right now what they're called. Um but it, it allows for faster traversal and you can use it just to traverse, but you can also use it to like grapple up on top of monsters to drive them for a little while and use them to attack. I think that's cool the way they brought in that mechanic. Um, it's interesting. I, what I like about Monster Hunter Rise is that it's Capcom not just resting on its laurels. Like they, they are iterating and tweaking and evolving this this franchise as it goes forward. Um, that said... I'm definitely not buying the game. <laughs> like it just does not, <laughs> it's still not for me. Like I it's like, wow, yeah. it's cool. Not my franchise. Like that's fine. I, it yes. It doesn't have to be. It right? doesn't have to be. And I'm glad yeah. that there was a demo to play. So right. I think it's super worth checking out. If you've been on the monster hunter fence, it seems like a great version of it. And it seems like it's built for newcomers. Um, 
and, and I'm, I'm curious to see if it takes over the world the way Monster Hunter used to, if, you know, Switch is everywhere. Can this be a really, really, really big game for Capcom? I'm curious. It's soon. It's like later this month. Um, so I'm, it's cool. I'm curious. Yeah. Yeah. Lastly, right. I like to watch Chris Wiggle for as long as I can. Yeah, uh, this is what everybody's been waiting for. Before the I talk Ra-Ra about Boom Alpha, evidently the only human who's played it. I guess I guess my code got lost in the email somehow. <laughs> I, I think it was go, sent, Christian. It was sent straight ahead. to your Tesla. I think you needed to play it. You needed to play it in there. <laughs> my Tesla. <laughs> um, yeah. So Rah Rah Boom, Chris's game, not Chris's game, that team. Uh, no, it's just Chris, and he drew it. He was actually tell like do that. No. Um, amazing team amazing team that all love each other and really miss hanging out together i think that's important and are super emotionally invested in what you're about to say in the next 14 seconds yeah, so everyone's listening bud i only have 14 <laughs> seconds so well, uh, disclosure i've been aware of this game for a bit um glad i haven't slipped up and mentioned anything about it because uh chris and i are friends and i've been aware of this game um man i love what it's going for uh, you know, Jeff, you and I have played pre-alpha and alpha games, and I think it's safe to say that we're typically able to assess a game at that state. And it doesn't always become what it's aiming to be, but oftentimes, you know, you let a game grow, right? Like, I know what this game is right now. It is not finished. It's not finished. Um, but I love what it's going for. I love brawlers. Um, I love them so much. I love the aesthetic. Right now, you can only really see a few things. Chris, where you've posted a few things on Twitter, but Anywhere else? Is there, I don't want to say things that I'm not supposed to say. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I don't, follow Just, our Twitter and Instagram to see okay. it. Okay, yeah. yeah. The, or our the, website. The art and the music and the aesthetic and everything just clicks, just clicks. Like this is the first time I had a playable where those things came together. Like before it was like, sound effects don't work. That's placeholder. That's not what it's going to be. And here again, still pre-alpha but it is a brawler with hand-drawn art and large characters, which I, I really enjoy. Um, the Turtles game, I think, looks cool, but it, it's pretty zoomed out uh, in the new Turtles game, which I think is interesting, an interesting approach. But I love seeing the hand-drawn art big on the screen. I loved the aesthetic. And so I texted this to Chris, uh, and I'll say it here, my daughter, <clears throat> Estelle, my oldest, and I'm going to read it so I get the actual quote because I dictated it. Estelle literally just walked in just as it started at the preload screen. And my character is on screen. This is a direct quote of what she said, 100% unprompted. Oh, I like this video game. I really like those girls. I'm pretty sure I'd love this video game if it's kid appropriate. Is it kid appropriate, Dada? And I hadn't even taken control of the character yet. So I feel like for a game that's trying to, as Chris mentioned, sell this idea and this vibe and kind of the larger story of what it can be as a brawler, it nails all that stuff. Um, and so I'm super excited to see where it goes. Do I know if it's going to deliver that promise? I have no idea. I don't know if I don't know if anyone does at this, at this point. The way I hear game development works, that last two percent is impossible. But I'm very excited for it. Um, caveat, caveat. Chris is a friend, but I, I love the space, and I want to ask Chris all those questions. I don't know if you can answer publicly, but my questions for the game are all those things we talked about about turtles. Is like, what is this game aside from a brawler? How does it grow? How does it? evolve because i like what i've played and i and i want to see more and now i'm going to forget it exists until 2025 i don't know <laughs> yeah do you, have, do you have like a a, a window when when this game will sort of the game will be targeting? done yeah so so it's interesting right like we're literally tomorrow 
I am reaching out to publishers with the pitch. We're going to keep you up late tonight. Then you're going to be like, I'm sorry, so, guys. He, just, he, he was literally just waiting. He was waiting for the Estelle quote. I was waiting <laughs> for the, the publishers. Estelle quote. Yeah. Um, Here's what an eight-year-old in California said. <laughs> but the game will be done this time next year and ready oh, to go. I mean, it's, the roadmap's in really good shape. We're really happy with sort of our, our velocity, like as far as like our, you know, two-week sprints. Um, are going really well. We have the team. It, it, it's been fascinating. Just to give you a, a bit of a, a peek under the hood, if you guys want it and shut me up if you don't, but like, you know, I'm a guy that came from a tech startup and running tech startups and running tech startups is very, very different than running a video game studio. And so it took quite a while to sort of stand up a team and find the, especially where most of our team is in Cincinnati, Ohio, right? And find a team that could kind of wrap their heads around what we're trying to make because I th- I think a lot of, of what we're trying to do is talk about um, in, in primarily in, in the female space, talk about identity and talk about relationships and, and talk about, you know, wholesomeness and friendship and like, what does friendship actually mean? And like, why are these people important to me? And um, that's, it, there, there's a lot of heavy lifting and finding people that understand that kind of out the gate. Right. And aren't, you know, we're a company that is, um, if you are fully employed with us, you get healthcare, you get time off. You, you know, we're, our attempt is to not crunch um, as much as humanly impossible or as much as humanly possible. And, uh, <laughs> or, yeah, yeah. You said yeah. it right. Yeah. You said it right the first It's time. impossible. <laughs> um, no, but I, you know, I feel like we've done a good, a really good job. Chrissy actually is, is one of our production artists um, on the team who's been, chatting in in the twitch chat right now and and um you know i think she can attest to sort of like how we've all bonded over especially during covid like this whole thing the pre-alpha you played was made entirely in covid christian like um so we've not been able to see each other and hang out and like go to bars and you know rant about what's working and what's not working we haven't been able to do play testing where we can bring in 30 people and get their opinion right in the moment. And so we've had to kind of hack all that together. Um, All to say that like, it's, it's been a very long process and um, it's terrifying. So the reason Christian has it and Jeff doesn't uh, is, is Christian's definitely one of my go-to people in, in normal everyday life that I reach out to when I have an idea or a thought or like, you know, is this, is, am I dumb here? Like, give me, you know, let me know if this is good or bad. And, um, and I, I I hope that we do that to each other. I feel like we do that to each other. I mean, I saw some comic book covers before a couple other people made me feel really good. Um, that's true, but you weren't supposed to tell, not everybody, I tell everybody that they, they're the only ones that have seen it. (laughs) Don't you? You gotta know how this works. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. You saw early, early stuff, early, you know, but the process of making something to me is still fascinating and still like, it's amazing how much of a team effort it is. And then how there's this other circle that, that isn't directly contributing to the thing that's constantly influencing it, constantly sort of adding value or, or giving opinions or mentoring or, or whatever. And I just think to me, when, when this game does release next year at some point, um, the proudest that I'm going to be is of all the people that, that sort of inputted into the game. Yeah. And, and uh, I think one of the things that video game fans don't still don't quite grok is how long everything takes, right? It, it, it is, it is a process that is, it takes a long time to make something good. 
And uh, I think, you know, when people have all these predictions of what what's going to come out this year or what's not going to come out this year or what's going to get announced and all these things, I, th- I don't think people realize just how long video games take to make. Or PS Plows take to make. Like, they've been working on it that for a while. That is definitely happening this year. <laughs> I can guarantee it. Uh, well, I'm excited. I'm excited uh, to eventually be I'll send you a build, Jeff. cool enough I'll send you a to build. be part of it as well. Oh, geez. All these great people whose I- influences, I want to be one of them. I want to well, be Jeff, one of those did you, people. Did you not listen? This is So this is Jeff's goldfish yeah. mind. Did you not listen to the first half of the podcast where he's like, I'm doing this because of you. I just want you to like me. And then he's like, I got to no, get it to this just, other jerk before I can give it to my hero. You know what I'm I mean? Kidding. I don't want to play your game till it's done anyway. I'm literally only on this podcast for your guys' validation. That's it. I just, this a, I need it I'm so much. The only reason we do this is an ego stroke. Anyway, I'm only here to talk uh, about rollerblading, but go ahead, Jeff. Talk uh, about your right. uh, On my playlist, I want to talk. First of all, I want to thank, um, thank Clay, who's listening. Clay gifted me on Steam after listening last week, gifted me a copy of Valheim, which I have not had a chance to play yet, but he wants, uh, Clay wants me to play with you and uh, Lana Christian. So, dude, you got to play some Valheim. Yo, you I'm jump in, in group too, though. Yeah, that's true. You got to jump into the Discord, Jeff, and see. Like, I was going to play, I think the reason I started playing more Fortnite, I was going to play more Valheim. And then I was looking around in the Discord at, what the community's and it's like this is my watchtower i just finished the stone facade that and i'm just like oh god i can't play this game <laughs> well i want to play it i uh, i'm really grateful to clay i would never have, i don't think i would have jumped into valheim uh myself but i'm super grateful that was a very generous and lovely thoughtful thing to do thank you clay uh i w- i had we my family and i drove to uh arizona this weekend so i've been out i haven't had a chance to try it but uh, i will and i'm excited uh, okay, what I have had a chance to to play earlier in the week was another game that Lana recommended, said I would love, and I, I've been meaning to give it a shot. It is the game of the moment right now. It is Loop Hero. I think you guys have tried it as well. I have not, uh, but Chris has, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been playing it a lot. Yeah, it is. It's one of those games where I was like, well, I'm going to try this. It's, I don't know, 10 o'clock. <laughs> most of the family's in bed i'll fire it up I'll, you know i'll just see what it is just check it out and then it's like three o'clock in the morning i'm like i can do one more round i can do it um it is a really brilliant concept i think and done exceptionally well with one caveat and i feel bad saying this because it exposes me as an extremely shallow person but i find it extraordinarily ugly as a game i i i do enjoy pixel art games when done well i do enjoy uh i do enjoy retro aesthetic i i think there is a beauty in pixel art i don't think loop hero is beautiful i think it is uh unfortunately um i i feel like somebody is going to do this this formula pretty and I'm going to like it more. <laughs> and I feel bad saying that. I, I freely admit that is a shallow perspective, but I find the game really unattractive. I don't know how you feel, Chris. Is this is this the podcast where we just trash Loop Hero? Like, we're the only gaming podcast ever. I think the game's actually... brilliant. Yeah, and I that's think, our I think... show. Thanks, everybody. <laughs> no, I think the game is brilliant. I think it is, I, I think it is going to... 
it is going to start a sort of sh- subgenre that a lot of people are going to copy or, or it, it's going to, people are going to iterate on this idea in really interesting ways. And I think there's going to be games that do it with better art. It, I mean, it's going to like those more. It a hundred percent has that vibe of a genre making game, right? Yes. Like it uh, literally the first thing I wrote is like, I hate pixel games, which <laughs> I like pixel. I like I some pixel games. Yeah. But so this, this game, one, I, yeah, yeah, sorry. This game is oh, totally not up my alley. Not at all. Um, and so I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to give it a shot because people won't shut up about it. I listened to Lana last week talk about it. And um, I think she has good opinions about things. So I'm like, all right, I'll give it a shot. And uh, it, I, for as a PC game in on my computer, <laughs> it, it's fine. If this was on a game, like if this was on my iPhone while I'm waiting for a plane to take off, it's the best game I've ever played. Hmm. I see. Yeah. Right? Like, I, I get that. I get that. It, it, re- it reminds me a lot of 10 million. Do you guys remember 10 million? Or, yes. or uh, they had a how, what's, what was the sequel? How to build a boat? Or you must build a boat? You must build a boat. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. yeah. Where it's, it's such an iteration on RPG as a genre, I think. And sort of like, I love games that kind of take what, like, we're all going to assume you understand what an RPG is. And yeah. so now we're going to build on top of that. Well, let me, there may be people listening who aren't familiar with Loop Hero. It is kind of the game of the moment. I think they've already sold some insane number of copies, which is good to, good for them. I mean, all of the success, I think, is is earned. This this is a really fresh idea and an interesting take and super, super compelling, very addictive layers of strategy that I find fascinating. But I just want to, if you're not familiar with what Loop Hero is, let me give you the macro, which is the loop, the titular loop in Loop Hero is literally a circle track like you're on a uh, you know like you're running the 500 meter you know on a on a track it's 400 at, but go ahead yeah 500 whatever. meter you, i don't know yeah, it's a track mm-hmm. you're running a, you're going around a loop and you're a little little guy going around a track going around a loop and every time you're a you little click hero a, going around a loop you're like yes, a loop you're a, some sort hero. of loop hero <laughs> Uh, every time you go, you tick around, you go up a level and things get more complicated. But as you go, you, uh, each little square that makes up this track can have features on it. All of the other squares that aren't the track can also have features on it. And your job is to place things on those squares. So you can convert certain squares into mountains or meadows or Various terrain types, and each one of those terrain types, as you would find in maybe a board game, gives you a bonus. So if you have a bunch of mountains, you get extra health bonuses. If you have meadows, you get various attack bonuses, things. So you're trying to build out as much of this stuff as possible. The stuff that you lay on the track are impediments, are things that generate monsters, castles that create vampires, caves that create werewolves, all that kind of stuff. Undead. So you're creating impediments to yourself. When your little person hits one of those impediments, it changes into a turn-based battle system wherein you have no input. It is all handled for you. And the only thing that you are controlling is what is equipped. So in a certain sense, 
Loop Hero distills the process of playing a role-playing game down to just the most satisfying bits for me, in a sense. I mean, I enjoy combat. When a game has great combat, I love the combat. But really, what I find the most satisfying in a role-playing game is, ooh, I got a new sword. What does it do? I'm equipping it. That's the game. That's Loop Hero. Ooh, I got new stuff. Now I'm equipping it. Let's see what happens. You don't have to do anything. You're just constantly getting new stuff and layering it onto either the loop or the hero. The loop hero. (laughs) So things get really complicated because you're creating bigger and bigger problems for your little hero, but you're also making your hero more and more powerful. And that graph of power is really precipitous it goes up crazy and that is very satisfying and there is this level of push your luck where it's like okay you can pull yourself out at any time and take all the cool materials that you've gained by winning all these battles and then buy into the economy of your character and buy out you know upgrade path stuff so that you can get cooler things on your subsequent loops Or you can keep pushing your luck and see if maybe you can go around one more time with the cool stuff you've got now. And that that play of of how much farther do you push it before you go back to your campfire, before you go back and retreat and build up more stuff. And Because if you die, you lose a huge percentage of the things that you've already acquired. Did I do an accurate job of describing it, Chris? Nailed it. (laughs) Okay, thank you. Um, and I found that loop, that constant, like, okay, well, one more turn around. One, I think I can get around one more time. Cause every time you, you tick back around, you get health back, you get, uh, chests spawn on the map you, you know, and those chests might have really cool stuff in it. So it's, it's this constant what's behind that next door. What's behind around that next corner. What's, what's going to happen when I go around the loop again, am I powerful enough And really, the entire game is, I got cool stuff. I got cool stuff. Is it cool enough to keep going? And I find that really, really compelling. I just wish the game aesthetically was a little more pleasing to the eye because it it really feels like Dwarf Fortress or something. You know, it very much feels like an abstraction almost where it feels like a board game. It does feel like a board game, but there are a lot of pretty board games, as you and I both know. Uh, it, it, I, I just don't think the game... And I, I know it's blasphemy because a lot of people, I think, really enjoy that aesthetic and, and feel like it's a choice, and perhaps it is. It feels to me like a limitation, like pushing up against a limitation. And I don't want to put that on the developer, who knows? But to me, it, it is not... If it was just prettier... I would enjoy it so much more. And I know that's shallow. The amount of times my family tells me that same thing, like just top to bottom. They're just like, you're funny. You're talented. If you were just prettier. And I'm like, (laughs) Christian, you're gorgeous. Sorry, you, but Jeff. Chris, you're not you're not into Loop Hero at all. You, you, you didn't you didn't. No, you didn't I love you. it. No, no, no. It did hook me. Um, uh, He's been playing it this whole episode. Haven't you seen him look over to his other yeah, monitor? Just to, yeah, just to back I up, I've definitely like I, I I've probably put about ten hours into it. I'd say at this point, um, which is a lot for me on a on a, a game like that. Um, I got wrecked by the first boss. Like me too, wrecked. man. I thought I was so powerful, and then the first boss is like, nope. Yeah, I was like what? 
The game gives you no indication that no, you're not ready for that. Yeah, and you're kind of like sort of poking at the systems to see does yeah. regen work best? Does attack speed work best? Like what? Right. Like that discovery mechanic, I think, is really interesting to me. The story seems more interesting than it deserves to be. Also, the like, writing is strong. I th- I think yes. Um. So yeah. I mean, it. I just. I really. I know for a fact I would play this game multitudes more if it was on my phone. Interesting. I, I, I can see this game coming to phones or a version, you know, some knockoff version coming to phones. Cause I think this is going to one of those games that you're going to see people getting inspired by. Uh, Cause it's, it's a really interesting concept and super compelling. And the layers of strategy, as you get deeper and deeper into it, like where do you put those tiles to best maximize, maximize your thing? Do you go for, you know, vampire gear that gives you that health back on hits or, do you go for just like pure attack power? It, it There's a lot of really cool layers of strategy, but all of it comes down to like, what do I equip? What do I have on me? What do I place in my own path? Where do I place it? How do I layer those things? Different kinds of questions than you get from most RPGs or not different questions, just like fewer questions. You know, it is it is a, a distillation of of certain aspects of a role-playing game down to really pleasurable bits. It's like the very pleasurable parts of a role-playing game, only those parts. And uh, it's brilliant. I think it's brilliant. Anyway, that's Loop Hero. And I've been playing a lot of it. I've been playing a lot of it. Um, let me thank our last sponsor, which is Liquid IV. 2020 was an absolute nightmare for every human on the planet, uh, which is not something you can say all the time, but it was the case that that year, uh, 2021 came around and I went, you know, I am going to attempt to get myself into a little bit better shape. Uh, I'm going to start doing much more cardio. I'm going to, and part of that is staying hydrated. I do not drink enough water during the day. And my wife constantly reminds me of that fact. I got to get more hydrated liquid IV a perfect way to work into my health routine, to work into my hydration, just daily hydration. And so in 2021, I have gotten myself much more hydrated by using liquid IV. Why? Well, one stick of liquid IV, which is a little powder packet you empty into water, into 16 ounces of water, you get two to three times the amount of hydration as you would in just plain water. It's pretty amazing. And the best part is it tastes great. That's my favorite thing about Liquid IV. I do not tend to like these kinds of products. I do not like flavored waters. This tastes delicious. Uh, They have flavors like watermelon, lemon lime, passion fruit. They recently launched strawberry. They have an SIE that is my personal favorite. I love it. But all the flavors are really good. The lemon lime is excellent. And I can feel good because it's not, I'm not just dumping a ton of sugar in my water. It's actually less sugar than an apple. It's not a, a bunch of, uh, you know, just not a sugary drink. It, can, it contains five essential vitamins, more vitamin C than an orange, and as much potassium as a banana. And it has no artificial flavors or preservatives. And like I said, less sugar than an apple. That's pretty good. It's made with clean ingredients, no GMO, vegan. It's free of gluten, dairy, and soy. And it's got this cellular transport technology, what they call CTT. 
which gives you the optimal ratio of glucose, sodium, and potassium to deliver nutrients into your bloodstream. That gives you that hydration. Uh, it's, it's pretty cool. I've been enjoying it mostly because of the flavor, and I know I'm getting hydrated both before and after I work out, which is super important. So you can grab your liquid IV, the strawberry flavor or their other great flavors, in bulk nationwide at Costco. How great is that? Buy it in bulk. Or you can get 25% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use promo code DLC at checkout. That's 25% off anything you order when you use promo code DLC at liquidiv.com. Get better hydration today at liquidiv.com, promo code DLC. All right, guys, I know it's late, but Christian, in a bizarre unilateral decision, decided to uh, tease Twitter with quick questions uh, out of nowhere. No, I so, just said if you've got any quick questions right. for us, you I can feel, reply here. I want to. I, I want to get back like to it. Feel like we're committed to that. We've committed Great. to it. I love so, it. So here love it comes. I've done quick questions in a while. Uh, Christian, Christian sort of forced my hand on this, and I'm, I'm enjoying it. Uh, we got a few next, next uh, tweets going to be like, "Hey guys, we got a great show coming out." Um, also, Jeff smells like poo poo, and you're like, "Well, he tweeted it. He did tweet that we we're going to do the show." Argue. So I have covered myself in poo poo for this can't, show. Can't argue with Twitter. I mean, Twitter. <laughs> it's the truth. Anything I read on Twitter is true. That's the rule. All right, so we got some uh, Twitter questions. Real quick, we'll answer uh, these. Justin, who is at DJ Future Man on Twitter, says, what genre or franchise do you wish did it for you, but for some reason doesn't? Chris, what do you think? Pixel art. <laughs> pixel art. <laughs> We've established. Yeah. Pixel art does not do it. No, there's no pixel art you like? Dead You've never cells? seen a beautiful piece of pixel? You've never, yeah, Dead Cells you don't like? or I love or, Dead Cells. Yeah. I, I, wow. think, I think that's the exception for me. Children of Morta. Children of Morta is beautiful. Morta, yeah, I, I just I, I love to look at it. I think it's great. I think it's elegant. I think it's incredibly well done. It's just when I'm when it's time for me to sort of boot up and play a game. If I see pixel art on the other side, I'm I'm pretty out. All right, Christian, do you have a franchise or a genre that you wish did it for you, but for some reason doesn't? MMOs. Yeah. I, I I wish I was still playing Star Wars. I bought Star Wars, uh, and I was like, this is going to be the one that pulls me in. It didn't. Um, I love them. I love hearing your stories about WoW, and I, I'm just a moth to a flame, I think, with new narrative games. And even though, but that's the thing. You, I hear you talk about WoW, and I'm like, I would like that. That is an epic story. That is a great narrative. And just for whatever reason, I've never been able to get in. Christian, WoW is very fun. It's a very it fun game. Very My fun. little brother got in big and Asheron's call way back in the day. And he's found that joy. And I just, I can't. And it, it, it is a me problem. I wish I could. I feel the same way about competitive first person shooters. And I hear you guys talk about that. I mean, I, I hear lots of people talk about Overwatch or uh, Call of Duty or, you know, all these games that I enjoy when they have single player versions or, you know, cooperative modes or, in, you know, narrative campaigns. I, I'm, I'm enjoying it. But the first time I get sniped and I didn't see where it came from, I'm like, ah, I hate this game. I'm out of here. And it's not, it's not my jam. Not my jam. Which it was. 
the best part about this question is like it it's clear that you can not like something and that doesn't mean it's bad right oh, absolutely and and more than that video gaming is big and broad and there's plenty of corners for everybody you know you don't have to love every game to love video games yeah Another quick question. This comes from uh, uh, Aaron, who is uh, at AG McLeod on Twitter. It says, uh, he says, here's a cue. What retro game would you love to have remade or remastered to come out on modern consoles? Chris, do you have a retro game that you'd love to see? Oh, man. You guys remade? tell me. Uh, so this is, I'm on the spot on this one for real. I didn't, I haven't seen these. So like, do you remember Jumpin' Jack Flash for the PlayStation? Wow. Barely. Right? right? Uh, was that based on the movie? The Whoopi no, Goldberg movie? No, not at all. Jumpin' Flash, maybe? I don't know. Maybe Twitch helped me out. Um, it was it was a, a, a release game for the PlayStation 1. You're in a bunny mech and you, you jumped really high. Jumpin' Flash. There hmm. we go. You jump really jump high. Jumpin' Flash. Yeah. And I loved that game so much. I'm sure it was you know, just timing, right? There was like, it was that or Tekken. Those were the two games (laughs) you could play. But man, I I just, just robot rabbits are amazing to me and it was very fun and I'd I'd love to see somebody redo it. I I love aerial combat in general. I don't Mm -hmm. think there's enough of that. Um, I miss tribes. I miss those kind of games. So more of that, please. Christian, do you have a answer for this one? Yeah, there's a whole bunch, but like kind of on the spot and I say it a lot every time like an insomniac rumor comes up. I think they're working on a new resistance. Um, I'd love it. I'd love that. I like that. That first, that was a PS3 launch game, right? Um, yeah, that is retro now. Yeah. Yeah. It's two generations ago. And I'd love to see that remade and kind of revisiting what those, the not necessarily open areas were like, but playing into those, um, those areas and, and to the same extent kill zone. Um, I'd, I'd love to see maybe Killzone 2. I'd love to see that reality, that trailer um, realized. I think it'd be super cool. I liked the games then, and those are two f- FPS franchises that I really enjoyed. I think could come back in a big way, but I think it's just me because they're not. <laughs> I haven't heard anything about them. But yeah, it's like yeah. N- nouveau retro, I guess. <laughs> I. I feel like I have the same answer every time I'm asked this and maybe I need to come up with a better answer, but mine is, uh, Ultima, uh, Ultima seven is my favorite game of all time still. Uh, but Ultima four, I think would be an amazing game to re- remake or remaster to completely do again. The, the plot of Ultima four is be a good person. Like the whole plot of this massive role-playing game was there are seven virtues you have to master them. Be good. It's like, whoa, what a cool idea for a video for a, a epic quest is be master of virtues, truth and honor and all these cool virtues that the avatar had to uh, master. I'd love to see that game done again, done with my, I think the Ultima license is tied up in, you know, origin uh, origin was the company. And I think it's defunct now. And I think the, the rights are all crazy and it's hard to make a new Ultima game. But, you know, if I could snap my fingers and make it happen, that's what I would I would do. It only costs a lawsuit. <laughs> there you go. I mean, <laughs> easy peasy, lemon squeezy. Uh, all right. Uh, here's another quick question. This one from me. 
My quick question to you guys. Uh, this occurred to me uh, recently. I'm curious. I'm sure you've all, you guys have all played video games, role-playing games in particular, but lots of kinds of games like this where you, you can pick a character or something. And uh, I guess it's mostly role-playing games. You'll pick a character, and because you picked that character, you're given a different option. Uh, and sometimes it'll show you, like, because you picked Susie or whatever, because you picked a paladin or because you picked dark side, you get this option in dialogue or you get to do this thing that you wouldn't have before. And sometimes it'll have like grayed out options where it's like, if you had picked Ronald or a rogue or, you know, what light side, you could have picked this option, but it's grayed out because you didn't. So my question is, do you like knowing that there are options that you only get because you made a decision at the beginning of the game and that there are other options that you could have if you had made a different selection? Or do you prefer when all of that is invisible to you and that that option just comes up in the natural course of things and you have no context that it's only because you made that choice? That makes sense? Yeah, I, Chris, I, I absolutely. I mean, I think life is a linear progression. Yeah. Right. And so the more we can replicate that, the better. Like, I don't, you know, unless I'm jumping through different realities as a player, I, I don't want to see the other options. That, I, I, I don't want to see the framework. I don't want to see the skeletons. Right. right? I, I feel like that breaks immersion, I, especially if it's like a role playing game that I'm really trying to dive into and, and live in that world. Um, the less behind the curtain I see, the better, in my opinion. What do you think, Christian? That, that was my gut as well. But then, as I, maybe this is taking your, as Chat pointed out, very unquick question, Jeff. Um, <laughs> that was pretty quick. That's pretty quick as I go, as I am. Um, I I like seeing skill trees, so I don't know if that's the same because different characters will have different skill trees. So I do like to look at mm-hmm. that. Like, oh, do I want to be this? Ooh, if I choose this character, I'll get to you know, flame apocalypse. If I do this character, then I'll get to freeze the floor. If I get to this character, I'll get to time bending. Like I like seeing where the progressions go because I want to get a better handle for who my character is because I'm going to be spending a lot of time in it. But where I will agree with Chris is I don't want every decision to be like this and that, this and that. But at the outset, I do think I want to have not all the information, but some idea because sometimes it's like you're a paladin. Okay. And this paladin kills everybody, you know, like, but no, it could be know. like, it could be like, if your strength was 16, you could bust the door down instead of trying to oh, pick yeah. the lock. No, you I, know? Don't, I don't need like, that. Oh, my level. strength is only 14 right now. I don't need that or level like, of, of granular detail. No. There are a lot of games that do that though, as you, as you, I'm sure, you know, anyway, so I, I can't not select that thing if it's special if it's because i made that decision it's because i if i if i've got the 16 strength i i can't help myself i'm like well that's the special thing i have to pick that and i feel like it messes me up anyway that's how i feel not not too quick a question but that's how i feel all right that's gonna do it for this episode of dlc chris bergman thank you so much for being here my friend i'm so happy to be here this was so much fun well, I appreciate it. It's been fun having you. It's been fun hearing about your video game. 
Tell folks where they can keep up with the the developments, how they can follow you and the things that you do. Dude, so we have some super exciting news. We're actually launching a webcomic tomorrow about the wow. development of our game. Uh, it's called The Guiley Gang. It's um, primarily um, written and and drawn by Chrissy, who's in, in the chat right now. So you can find that on guileygames.com every Tuesday and Thursday. Also, please follow our Twitter and Instagram um, at Guiley Games, G-Y-L-E-E Games. Um, and you can follow me at, at Chris Bergman on, on Twitter as well. I also release a monthly DJ mix. So if you like Festival EDM, you'll find that on the Twitter as well. Sweet. I think that's it. I think that's everything. Very cool. Christian Spicer, what about you? Uh, I have a comic book that you can help uh, get out into the world. It's up on Kickstarter right now. It's called Consequences. I'm super proud of it. Um, uh, thank you to everybody who has supported it. It's um, blown me away to see that. So it, it really means it really means the world to me. I'm super proud of the book. The cover, I tweeted it out. You also can find the cover art as a backer-only update. And potentially as you're listening to this, um, there will be a post about stretch goals and some international shipping. Folks have asked about that. Um, so look for that over on Kickstarter. You can find a link for it on my website, christianspicer.com, or on my Twitter, which is at Spicer. And I also have a um, newsletter you can subscribe to at tinyletter.com slash Christian Spicer. You can also find um, old newsletters posted there as well. The last one that just went out, kind of funny how we started talking about being old. It was, it was about that and gaming anniversaries um, and celebrating those things and what they can do for franchises. Uh, so check that out and let me know what you think. Very cool. You can follow me on Twitter. I'm at Jeff Canada, which is spelled with two N's and one T. Uh, you can hear me talk about movies and TV shows by checking out the Slash Filmcast at SlashFilmcast.com. Uh, you can hear me talk about science and trying to make it funny. Uh, with a comedy science show I I do with Anthony Carboni called We Have Concerns. You can find that at WeHaveConcerns.com. Um, I am also, we're, we're trying to bring the Dungeon Run back. Check it out. You can still find the shows archived by searching on YouTube or wherever you get podcasts for the Dungeon Run. Very proud of that show. A long-form Dungeons & Dragons-style storytelling show. Uh, and um, I do the FCF show, which uh, the championship game is next week. So you got to check that out. Twitch.tv slash FCF Thursdays at 2.30 p.m. Pacific time. You can always email us here, dlcfeedback at gmail.com. We love hearing from you. Maybe send us some quick questions. Christian's bringing it back. It's happening. So we're going to, we'd love to hear your quick questions, your long questions, any anything you'd like as far as feedback, dlcfeedback at gmail.com. All right. Let's wrap the show up now with our parting gifts. Oh, I got this. As a pro who able to handle it for a week while you were gone no. with no voice, um, <clears throat> if I may. Hey, give us a suggestion of what to do this week. Give us a parting gift. This is parting gift. Well done. Thank you. Chris, do you have a suggestion to help people get through their week? Hey, man, I've um, gotten back into reading a bunch of real life, actual physical paper comic books, nice. um, primarily due to WandaVision. And my wife was like, where did this come from? And I was like, hey, here's House of M. You should read this. So um, I just finished House of X. It was great. It was like um, it's a trade paperback about X-Men, a bunch of other stuff. Um, I thought it was really good. I'm excited to see. I think it released like a little over a year and a half, two years ago, maybe. 
Um, and uh, now the X-Men series Dawn of X is it's sort of in that vein, but highly recommend it. I re- like as an X dude, I keep telling my kids that like Iron Man isn't the coolest Marvel character and <laughs> wait till you see what Wolverine looks like when the guy from Letterkenny plays him and um, <laughs> uh you know and he they don't believe me at all but um House of X is is uh truth man it's some of the best X stories I've read in a long time yes very cool uh Christian Spicer how about you what's your parting gift uh I finally watched On the Rocks which is the Sofia Coppola um film on apple tv plus that came out as the pandemic was kind of hitting um bill murray and um rashida jones i think and a weigh-in are the kind of leads um it is maybe uh, (laughs) take your pick not damon but what he's great in it um uh golly it i had it marlon I'm going to go with Marlon. It's, it's Damon's son, isn't it? Damon Wayne's son? Um, I'm going to go with Marlon. Um, but it's, <laughs> it's, it's, really, it's really good. I love Sofia Coppola, and this feels like a smaller one of her films, but Bill Murray is exquisite in it. Um, my nit for the film, it would just be like, the characters are very affluent, and it's in no way addressed. Not that it needs to be part of the story, it is but Marlon. it is very... nailed it 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 is interesting to see it just like an affluence it's like not it's like this is new york that's new york for a very small group of people but if you kind of let go of that fantasy it's a very nice snapshot of a of a father and daughter and reconnecting and it's a it's a beautiful film it's called on the rocks it's on apple tv plus very cool oh we got an awesome email here at dlc feedback at gmail.com from JD from Rainfall Projects. And this is my parting gift because JD wrote in, I had never heard of Rainfall Projects, but now I'm a devotee. Uh, he wrote in saying, Hey guys, uh, I'm a big fan. I just wanted to thank you for the hours and hours and hours of listening you've provided me. I haven't missed an episode and listened to all the weekend confirmed episodes back in the day as well. I just finished making a set of dumbbells in an effort to be able to work out at home. And I thought I would pass along the video I put together on the project. I listened to four DLC episodes while working on this project since it took me about a month to finish. Thought it might be interesting from one geek and sneaks to another. So I thought, oh, wow, that's cool. Little did I know JD and rainfall projects is a, you know, he's got like 175,000, uh, subscribers on his YouTube channel. They do these incredible projects. And this is so down my alley. I've gotten so into what I call uh, competence porn <laughs> or just like people good at stuff. I watch these YouTube videos. I think I talked about Luke Toen for a while who makes these in- incredibly intricate models and just the step-by-step process of making thing, making these little models. Rainfall Projects does incredible metal work and uh uh these these huge projects these incredible projects they have a massive uh following why because it's incredible to watch i love this dumbbell set video where at the beginning jd says i wanted to get some dumbbells but i found out how expensive they are so i decided to make my own and then over the course of the 25 minute video you realize 
dumbbells are not that expensive because this is what it takes to make them. You're, it's a steal getting them for that price based on the amount of effort it takes. It's Herculean how he does this. It's extraordinary to watch. Putting, weighing them, cutting them out of big slabs of metal, The all the step-by-step, step, he goes through it. It's beautifully shot. I'm totally into this channel. And it's an honor, I think, that uh, JD listens to DLC while he does this incredible work. you got to check it out. It's called uh, Rainfall Projects on YouTube. The dumbbell set um, video in particular is pretty incredible. So thank you, JD, for sending that email. I am now a subscriber to your channel. Channel. I love watching this competence stuff. People who are good at making things, talking about the process, seeing the step-by-step, super into it. We also got a listener-suggested pardon gift. This comes to us at dlcfeedback at gmail.com from Dylan Parkhurst, who writes, Today I wanted to recommend a game to you guys that I haven't heard you talk about, and hopefully I didn't miss it. It's called Void Tyrant on both Apple and Android. It's an amazing game that's a roguelite, deck builder, turn-based combat, all wrapped into a space travel type game. Its ads are well-managed, and the money to bypass them is well worth it. It's by far my favorite mobile game because you can pause it anytime and come back later and pick it right back up where you left off. It's also very intriguing and has an enticing way to keep you playing over and over. I hope you guys give it a try because I really think you'll be blown away. Thanks, Dylan. Uh, I haven't tried Void Tyrant, but I'm, it sounds like all these genres I dig. So I'm going to check it out. If you'd like to have your parting gift read on our show, you can send it to dlcfeedback at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. But that's going to do it for this episode of DLC. Thanks again to Chris Bergman and Christian Spicer for hanging out with me. Thanks to the folks in our chat room for hanging out live with us, putting up with some technical difficulties and watching the live video, which Christian has been putting together, which is super fun as well. We appreciate that. Uh, Thanks to our musical contributors, Patrick L., Sean Madigan, and Zero Star for making those bumpers. And thank you to each and every one of you who tune in and give us your time. We are so grateful. We'll be back next week. Until then... Think about what you put out into the world. Make it a better place.